Welcome to the Huntback Country Podcast. This is a bonus episode that Stephen Egg just recorded informally uh, right before the death hike. If you're new to what the death hike is, it's something that we've been doing for many, many years now, almost 10 years actually. And we've talked about it uh, on previous podcasts plenty of times. You can go back and find some of those episodes and we'll leave links in the show description for some of that just to get context for what the death hike is. Um, but it's something that every year um, we often get a lot of questions about and feedback on and people enjoy hearing about it. So we just decided last minute right before this year's death hike that Steve and I would hop on and chat about the plan for the hike this year and just get a fresh perspective. And then next week we'll also have another episode after the hike to talk about how it went, some of the lessons learned, and we'll bring in some guests as well including maybe some guys who are doing the death hike for the first time this year, which would be great to hear their perspective on. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. If you happen to have uh, questions, feel free to send those to us to podcast at xamongear.com. Maybe it's something we can talk about in the post-death hike recap or answer on a future Monday Minute episode. Right now, though, here's this conversation with Steve. Steve, how's it going, man? Uh, Excellent. Excellent. Had a great 4th of July, had a family reunion over in Oregon with the Speck family and got to see a bunch of cousins and stuff that I grew up with. So that was fun. But uh, the whole time, like a little bit of pit in my stomach, knowing that the death hike was coming up just a few <laughs> days later. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was like, it's like bad, bad planning. Cause it's like, you just want to enjoy the 4th and barbecue and drink beer and stuff like that. But the whole time it's like, Oh man, I need to you got pace this thing myself. Yeah. This, freaking hike looming but yeah, yeah ready to ready to rock man we're leaving town here and well by five six hours you guys will be on the road uh well shoot you'll be on the trail right as this is released on friday morning what's the oh yeah I guess, the what's the big picture with the death hike yeah big picture is basically with even going kind of all the way back to planning this whole thing uh Dan and Dione, um, Dione obviously we had on the podcast multiple times. They were, they had a route in mind that they wanted to do. And this was back in like February and we were just getting ready for K4 launch. And I was like, Hey, you know what? You guys do all the planning this year. You take care of it. I have no idea how busy I am, am or am not going to be and may not have the time to kind of devote to hike, planning the hike that's needed. And so I let them kind of run with it. And so it's been fun to sit back and just watch. They picked a route through um, basically Idaho's tallest mountain, which is Mount Bora. Uh, I think it's 12,600 something feet. And then uh, basically proceed to work south for roughly 50 miles through the Lost River Range. We're going to hit two other peaks, Idaho and Mount Leatherman, all of them over 12,000 feet. We hit those first three peaks and... I think it's like the first 12 miles or something like that. And then um, they had originally built the route as a two day hike. And I was kind of like, yeah, that's, you know, that's going to be tough, but I don't think it's that much harder than what we've done in the past. Right. Like I, I felt like, Oh, I could go do that tomorrow. And I was, then somewhere, I think I was doing a training hike and it's like, what if we just did it without sleep? Like, let's not stop. So Going back to some of the hundred milers we've done, we've 37 miles is the the most we've ever done in a day. That was day one of um, the second hundred miler. 
And I was like, God, could I have, I was trying to reflect back on how I felt at that mile 37 rolling into camp that night. I was like, do I, do I have another potentially 15 miles in me? Um, and uh, I was like, I don't know. And so that was kind of the basis for this year's hike of, well, let's just see how far we could possibly push. It, it kind of goes back to the very first hike too, because that was a, gosh, that was somewhere in the 30 milers. Um, but we wanted to see if we could hike the whole night through. We started at seven o'clock at night and just do the whole thing without sleeping. So this is a little bit of, uh, a little bit of that going back to that first hike as well as that hundred miler and just see. So it'll be, I mean, you never know until you get there because just because, you know, what the trail conditions are, if it's, if the trails are good and you're just walking in a straight line, then you can get pretty accurate when you're guessing the overall distance. But when you're talking, you know, a good example, like a Frank Church hike where there's deadfall, you know, every five steps and for, you know, to go five steps forward on the trail, you're going five steps left, five steps right. Like you're just zigzagging the trail the entire way. You add distance pretty quickly. So roughly 50 miles is where we're at. I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be, you know, 53 to 55 uh, total with in the low 20s, 20, 21,000, 22,000 feet of elevation gain. Um, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a challenge, man. I'm, I'm certainly nervous for it. I haven't been, well, I was nervous going into Alaska last year, but I'm definitely like amped up and ready to do this. What's the start time? I was shooting for like 3.30 in the morning. We'll get up there uh, tonight, obviously on Thursday night. Hopefully, you know, it's like find a way to get some sleep. You're going to be kind of butterflies and be excited and ready to go. So it's going to be hard to like just go to bed, but get, you know, get to bed by 11, get four, maybe five hours of sleep. And then the goal is uh, Bora, Mount Bora has a, a ridge called chicken out ridge which is it's towards the i've never done it but i've just seen photos and talked to people it's towards the towards the top of it the goal is to be there at daylight because it's a somewhat technical aspect that you it's not like you want to be doing that with a headlamp on um so we'll hit that and then yeah just see how far we can go my my goal is to do it with very minimal naps um so you know just maybe four, 15, 20 minute naps throughout the whole thing. That's what I'm hoping. Anything more than that in my mind will be a failure, right? If I have to, if I just get so out of it that I got to lay down and, you know, all of a sudden you wake up four hours later, that'll be that, that you know, I failed to hike. So on that note, like I didn't want to necessarily dive into gear, but that ties into strategy, like four 15 minute naps versus laying down. Mm -hmm. So both from a safety perspective, as well as uh, just the capabilities, when you say four 15 minute naps, that obviously you're not setting up any sort of sleep system at that point. You're just kind of sit against this tree yeah. nap for 15 minutes type situation. So what are you going to carry? Uh, I mean, nothing. <laughs> That's part of, the, part of the deal was like, well, let's tell people they can't pack a pad and sleeping bag. Right. So even if you do lay down. You're on the hard ground. It's actually, you know, Boise's in the 90s right now, but up there at the, I think that we're talking like 30 for the low and 50 for the high, which will be pretty nice. Great hiking uh, there might weather. be a, what's that? Great Good hiking, hiking weather. weather. Yeah. 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 I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, the only thought there I had was there might be, um, you know, so nobody has a sleeping bag or pad. They basically were told everyone bring a puffy jacket, 
and then like emergency space blanket. And my one thought is like, okay, maybe at like 10 o'clock, do I make sure, make sure I get some nap, like those four naps in like leading up to midnight. And then that way, if it is 30 degrees, then I'm hiking and moving all through the night. Um, yeah. My goal is, I think, you know, if it's 50 miles, I think I can move it two miles an hour throughout the entire thing, right? With rests in there. So my goal is 25 hours to, to roll into the finish line at four or five in the morning that next day. But I, it could be entirely unrealistic. It could turn into being, you know, 36 hours. I just, I just don't know. It all, it all depend on, you know, what the conditions are there, how slow we move getting through those peaks. Cause certainly it's, they're big mountains and technical and, it's not like you're just walking on a trail at, you know, the normal three and a half mile an hour pace. How much of, so the kind of the second half, call it half, it's not half, but I mean, you're going to, you have the approach to Bora and then you guys are stringing together these peaks just kind of on a ridge, no trail. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have, once you get back to good trail, I guess, let me ask it this way, is the rest of the route on trail? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on trail. Again, that's one of those situations where I just don't know what type of trail. Are these really good, well-maintained trails that are frequently used? Great. Is it we're hiking in the dark and you're like, where'd the trail go? And you're wandering around for 20 minutes trying to pick it back up. I I don't have that information, which, you know, leads to um, some excitement, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's good to have some unknown variables you got to deal with because those are uh, the best hikes end up being the ones that are, you know, have some legit difficulty built into it what does training look like for you for this this year and then part of that is you know based on just life schedule availability what your year looks Mm -hmm. like but i guess the other half of that is for this hike specifically compared to death hikes did you train differently because it's a different endeavor i i did i I did and I didn't. It was more of just like a, a 10% shift. But basically, I just, I want, I had this whole goal of like, I, you know, can 24, 25 hours be possible with this route? And so I just trained with a lot of basically speed in my hiking. And I was trying to do it with, with weight. So I was doing, the one I did the most was just right out of Boise. Um, as a 10-mile round trip with a 3,000-foot climb. And I was trying to average four miles an hour with, a, I had a 50 pack would start out at 54 pounds and end up at like 48, 49. Cause it's, that was a, a lot of water weight that I was drinking during the hike. But I, the best I could do would be like 3.7, 3.8 miles per hour on that with no breaks. And, uh, so that, that's was, that was kind of like my, you know, it was, a, it was, took me two hours and 40 some odd minutes, I think. Um, and, uh, that was the, yeah, that's kind of the one I defaulted to. That was not my hope is that I'm, I've got my body used to moving at that pace. I'm climbing elevation. And then now I go from a 50 something pound pack to a, a 15 pound pack. And it's going to feel like I'm floating through air. So that, I'm optimistic that that was the right strategy. About how many times yeah. did you do that same hike, that 10 miler? Um, I don't know, six or seven times probably. Yeah. Yeah. Here and then leading up to that was just lots of um I did more mountain biking, just really focused on aerobic capacity. 
but it's more mountain biking where you can nothing can replicate what you can do to your lungs versus what you, on a mountain bike right um so i did a lot of mountain biking to build that up and then um and then yeah just lots of three to four mile hikes there's you know piles and piles of them those are two to four days a week since january on that on the 10 miler how much were you able to improve because here's what i'm getting at i know you Mm. track stuff i know you try to beat yourself yeah but i also know you hike year round like you're you always you're there's a smaller window for improvement for you because you're hiking a lot period and then Mm -hmm. like you know whether that's for fitness whether it's for pack testing what have you so it's the whole the whole paradigm that it's easier for someone who's out of shape to make quote unquote gains or improvements because of their starting point. Whereas if you're already in shape, if you're already adapted to a specific mode of fitness, if you already have a high level of capability, it's actually a lot harder to, to improve. So I'm just curious, mm-hmm. like how were you able to change your time that much? The obviously on all those 10 milers, the, We've talked about this in the past. The consistency is unbelievable. I, I, there's like a three minute difference between all of those hikes. You're, you know, over two hours and forty some odd minutes. There's like a three minute difference uh, between my worst and best time. <laughs> um, what did change was the perceived effort during the exercise and then the recovery. So mm-hmm. I noticed early on, it was like. It just felt like it was 120% where I was just going, 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 you know, heart rates high the entire time. Um, get back to the truck and just like, whew, and then kind of like next day, a little bit sore to where the very last one I did, uh, it just felt easy. Like I couldn't, it's kind of like at that speed with that weight, I can't really move any faster without just flat out running. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not a whole lot, like on a climb, there's not a whole lot of, Basically, I average like 3.4, 3.5 maybe on the way up and then hit like 4.2 on the way down. Um, and on the way down is the only place to make up some of that. And, and I basically have a like I can't run, right, um, especially with that, you know, 50 some odd pounds in the pack. So it's just like a really fast walk. And um, yeah, so that that didn't change as far as the time, but just the. So that, that last one I did, I just felt like, man, I could go around. I could easily do that another time, right? Like I felt just great afterwards within uh, and then jump in the truck. And, you know, most of them I was doing, I was just taking these long lunches at the office and get back to the office at, you know, two o'clock or something like that. And, um, and just be like, I, yeah, felt great. Didn't even know I just did the hike. So I, interestingly enough though, I did the one prior to that. I tried to replicate the death hike and so what i did was i stayed um i purposely like jumped on netflix at like midnight found a show that a series i could watch and watched it till 3 30 in the morning and then got up at 6 30 so basically i had three hours of sleep and then i went and did the hike um you know at the same time like probably 10 a.m or something like that and i felt like garbage dude like <laughs> my my time was still there but i it like and I also did it with no food. Um, I think I ate one pack of gummy bears that morning. So just kind of like, what's this worst case scenario? I got no sleep, no food. The difference between that hike and then three days later where I did the final one was unbelievable. Like it was just like how important it is to have good sleep and good um, nutrition 
uh, is absolutely critical. Yeah. I'm surprised. <laughs> this is tangential, like just knowing you, I'm surprised that you're able to do that hike for that long with no food because you kind of have some blood sugar stuff. Yeah, I know. I was kind of trying to, I was trying to see what I could do. Um, yeah. It was something that was a different focus on me nutrition wise of just seeing what I could do without food in me. And because normally I default to just like eating constantly, just a constant flow of um, stuff, uh, food and, you know, basically just easily digestible carbs. And I was just trying to train for, for lack of food. And I, I think part of that was, um, just trying something new uh, and also a desire to um, um, yeah, just see what I was capable of and see what my body would, would do. Um, and it worked like it. Yeah. I was doing, so I do those 10 miles basically with no, I would just eat breakfast and then I'd go knock it out. And then uh, you know, there's no, obviously there's no rest. It's just like the only I would hike, you know, that steady pace all the way to the top. By the time I got to the top, I'd have to take the pack off and just swap out my Nalgene bottles because, um, you know, I had one buried in the pack and then basically about be just about empty and then um, grab a, yeah, put it, swap them out, put the pack back together and take off. So it took all of like 45 seconds. So food transitioning to the actual food strategy for the death hike, because this one is, you know, unique again, no sleep system no stove right you don't have this yeah. oh we're gonna finish this big long 30 plus mile day like we did on a 100 miler but then get good sleep get some good recovery get a quote-unquote real meal whereas this is kind of constant on the go so what i guess both total calories as well as just the types of foods that you're bringing not having a a quote-unquote meal time what's the strategy looking like? yeah yeah nothing's not much has changed there um there's just it's lots of like you know junk food basically uh but i just know that those work for me but the goal like i said this i want part of that training on low food was just to see like okay can i approach this hike different i've always approached the hikes with i'm just packing maximum food uh so i don't run out of energy and you know don't bonk and this one was like okay can i can i perform well on less food um just to keep weight down and i'm kind of kind of this mentality like i, I want to move so fast through the hike that it doesn't actually have time to hit me if that makes sense um and it's i know it's the 24. idea makes sense the reality yeah it does <laughs> yeah. yeah i know <laughs> but it's like I, you know i i've i have a baseline i know what works i know what i right. can default to so why why not train and try something different and see if i can push Correct. past what i've my current assumptions yeah. Um, so basically what I, I built my food bag last night and I got 5,000 calories. Um, and then I have an additional bag with 3000 calories. So I got 8,000 total. Um, but, uh, I'm hoping that I don't even have to use all that 5,000, which is kind of our default, you know, in the past, like 5,000 a day on these, on the, you know, on the hundred milers, right. Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of the default, but that's, you know, you kind of need that 5,000 to fuel the next day as well, right? Like going into the next day where there is mm -hmm. no next day on this. It's just keep going. So, um, yeah, I've got the backup. Um, part of that's just maybe it's for myself. Maybe it's for someone else who, you know, messed up and didn't pack enough food or 
made the mistake of packing like nothing but pro bars where you're just not gonna be able to eat those halfway through the hike. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see if the strategy works. But I've got, you know, I'm, I threw in the extra just to be safe. Did you throw that on a scale? What'd that come in at? Um, I didn't throw it on a scale. Yeah, I did it pretty late last night. Yeah. I'm um, just I, yeah. quick math. So if the five thousand calories, if you averaged one twenty five, which with junk food it may not quite hit, but might be close. Mm-hmm. That should be two and a half pounds. Yeah. For the five thousand calories. Yeah. Well, then you add the other three. So again, quick math yeah. while we're podcasting here. Yeah. Close yeah, to four pounds. Four pounds, yeah. If you average yeah. 125. So yeah, you you yeah, you'll be between four and five, I bet, for that eight thousand yeah. packed. Yeah. Yeah. Which is reasonable to carry the extra, you know, two pounds to have that. Mm-hmm. Like you said, whether it's for you or somebody else. Yeah. And I got um man, gummy bears in there, obviously. Um ta- I did a bunch of tailwind. So with that the drink mixes. That's so that is one thing I was doing on the training hikes. I was doing um what was I doing? The uh, wilderness athlete, like the Superman, grabbing an energy focus and a hydrate and recover. Those mm-hmm. two drink mixes, dumping them in one Nalgene. And then uh, it seemed to work well. I was just, you know, you're obviously you're just t- drinking constantly um, and just kind of having that little tiny dose of, you know, every drink is four calories or whatever the heck it is. But putting the electrolytes and sugar back into your body as you're using them seemed to, seemed to work well. And I pulled, I used to do that. When I was, you know, competitively mountain biking, I always had, I had, I would run two bottles, one just water and one with a drink mix and mm-hmm. uh, just kind of alternate between the two. Cause sometimes you, sometimes you don't want a drink mix, right? You're just thirsty and you just want to chug some water. Uh, so yeah. have the option of having both. Is water uh, something that you've been strategic with, with looking at the route and map and I mean, paying attention to, I think. Dan and Deoni were kind of concerned about it originally, thinking there was going to be, and there is still quite a bit of snow up there, but it, everything's like, and I think all the creeks will be running. There's, I don't see, I kind of broke down the route and I don't see anything where um, you need to pack more than, say, three liters at any given time. Yeah, so it's not like you got to pack eight liters up the mountain or something like that. There's going up Bora, like a third of the way up, you cross, at least on Onyx, you cross the stream. So top off there, then you go summit. And then when we coming back down, we drop into a valley that's got a stream flowing through it. So it's here, maybe like six, seven miles is all with, without water. And that's kind of the biggest gap. So nothing, nothing of concern there, which is obviously really nice. You just, um, you want to be able to keep yourself hydrated. Yeah. And you just want to move. You don't want your time or your limitation to be stopping and sourcing and filling and all that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We're searching. Well, it's exciting, man. I, uh, if people haven't caught on yet, I haven't been talking about anything cause I'm not making it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What's the, uh, so you bought a house and then tweaked your knee as well. What, uh, what happened to the knee? I don't know. I wish I did know. Um, I didn't think I've told you even offline, but so when we were hiking in on the bear hunt, it wasn't, hurting me by any means but i had like a i don't don't know how to describe so i guess backing up i don't have like a quote-unquote bad knee i don't know anything about i don't have any issues to like self-diagnose like or any history really Mm -hmm. um i've had my knee bother me basically once before um 
and in a combination of taking it easy and wearing a bit of a stabilizing brace and taping it during some harder efforts. Um, actually, it was last year before the Alaska death hike. Um, and then I just kind of taped up for the death hike and it was fine. And there's been a few, you know, instances like the end of the hundred miler death hike, for example, my knee was bothering me, but it was very isolated to, I just think what I had gone through versus, you know, an mm-hmm. issue. So, um, I say all that to say, like, I don't know, I've never had a scan. I've never had an issue. I've never had a tear. I've never, I don't know. Um, and then when we were packing in on the, the bear, um, hunt here this spring, it just kind of had like a click to it. Like I could feel it. Um, I don't know if it was like a tendon just rubbing or what have you, but it wasn't bothering me. It was just there and it was present. Um, and it was just one of those things I was like, oh, that's weird. And then forget about it. Like it was still happening. I just wasn't paying attention to it. And then after the bear hunt, it was bothering me a bit. Um, especially as I got home like two, three days later. And then I just kind of went back into to normal. I went back into training, uh, both for the death hike as well as just kind of the day-to-day stuff I always do. And it just got progressively worse. And uh yeah, I did, I, you know, again, playing like YouTube doctor and physical therapist on myself, started looking up stuff and doing some exercises and trying to self-diagnose. But the only thing that was helping it was rest. Um, hmm. And I just, it was at the point where my training decreased, my knee was bothering me and it became mostly a risk reward situation of, you know, I have the sheep hunt, which in my head still sounds like, oh, it's far enough away. But then I'm looking at the death hike and I'm like, no, it's only like six to seven weeks, you know, post death hike that I would need to be ready for the sheep hunt. Um, And so it mostly became a risk reward based on that of, I think I could, you know, force myself and push through the death hike, but is it worth any sort of damage or, or, or big setback, you know, with Hmm. the knee and then potentially that affecting hunting season and in particular the sheep hunt. So that was the main thing. I mean, yeah, life has been chaotic. My training time has definitely been limited. We just sold a house, bought a house. That's always stressful and definitely ate into any available time. I would have to do longer efforts in terms of preparation, but it mostly was, yeah, the risk reward of knees bugging me. Um, I hate to miss it. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Like in general, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, um, I just, since I've started doing the death hikes, I haven't missed one except for the, the kind of COVID year, um, when there was no traveling and not only that, but I mean, as we've said many times, it's just something I look forward to every year. It's something that I get a lot of value of. Um, mm-hmm. they're different every year. Every experience is different alone, but then you know, as I was looking at you guys putting this route together and getting in country I've never been in and doing a different format, like this kind of straight through no sleep thing. Uh, I did that a little bit on the seven devils hike, um, which was my first mm-hmm. death hike where we went through the night, a few of us, but yeah, I was super excited about this year and the challenge and just being with the guys and all that. So I'm, uh, in a way, I think the, if anything, the the move has been so like mentally consuming that it's it's helped me not dwell on crap. I gotta miss this, but now here we are talking about it, <laughs> yeah. and I'm pretty right. <laughs> pretty butthurt about it. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, my 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 mom, you know, obviously she's a worry person. You know, she called me yesterday, like, you be careful. Like, why do you keep doing these? I'm like, mom, I'm doing these <laughs> until I cannot physically do them anymore. Like they are yeah. Um the the learning experiences and, and everyone's different. Some there's little takeaways, some there's massive takeaways. Um, uh, but going back to you know, just so many of the you know, the the mental side of things, the things that we try to talk about, but maybe don't talk about as much as I that we'd both like to. Because they're they're harder to, you know, it's hard to communicate. Right? Yeah, it's hard to communicate. Um, They're just like it's you can't really put your finger on it, but they are. Every single one has a significant impact on me, and I'm just gonna keep doing them until I physically can't. Man, like it's uh, they're just amazing. So, yeah, I'm excited. We got some we got some newbies. doing it jeff bloomquist is doing it for the first time this year uh my yeah. brother-in-law is doing it uh so it's fun to have new guys in in the hike and we did have this was the this is the year of attrition we started out with like 28 29 guys like yeah i'm in i'm in and then it's down to like 13 i think we had guys just bailing left and right um plenty of guys have uh legitimate excuses and plenty of guys just wussed out and it's mm-hmm. um uh yeah i don't like seeing that i'll say that much yeah when you're just talking about the the value of it you know it made me it reminded me that i don't know it was last year the year before something like that i should look in now oh it was just last year i put together an article uh life-changing lessons from the exo death hike and it looked at Mm. you know multiple death hikes and some of the lessons that i pulled out of it and you know, as cliche as it sounds, and, you know, these days we throw around terms all the time, like epic or whatever, and it's like they've lost their meaning. So in one sense, it's like you hear that life-changing, like, wow, well, what does that mean? It's just a phrase right. of speech. But as I think about it, I mean, it's it's 100% true. Having done the death hike all these years, it's there's it, it is 100% true that I'm a different person because of doing them and that they have been literally life-changing yeah yeah i don't i don't want to miss one (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's so you know if we're not we'll get all corny here for a little bit but if you're not challenging yourself constantly you're not growing right like you're just stuck and i have a rule that i made for myself that i need to do something just once a year that makes me legitimately nervous right um, just some new experience pushed past what um, what I thought I was possible. It doesn't have to be a physical effort. It could be, I don't know. Do you want to like your kids want to build a fort and you've never built anything, so you're like, go buy some tools and build a badass treehouse. Like uh, something like probably make you nervous and plan. And you know, you got to be just pushing and growing constantly. Uh, and it's this world we're living in is everything is pushing you to become you know everything's being geared towards making your life quote unquote easier and better and it's having the opposite effect right like it's to the point now where we have to go out and seek challenges because if you're not you're just turning into a big boob (laughs) (laughs) i heard turn into a big and wasn't expecting boob but yeah that's a good way to put it (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, that's the 
I, I fully agree. Yeah, you have to have that. And like you said, at least every year, that's, you know, my mind just shifted to, for me, the sheep hunt being that because it's going to be a pack-in hunt. We're not flying in. It's going to be a real big effort. So that's what I'm I'm hoping that experience is for me this year. So, well, I, uh, yeah, I'll be thinking of you guys and missing it. Can't wait to hear about it. Uh, we will do a post-hike recap podcast probably get some of the other guys on it'd be great to get some of the the first timer you know guys yeah, on for sure yeah, cool. so yeah we'll be we'll be chatting this is coming out uh fridays you guys will be i would say before the death hike but you guys will be on the death hike and then we're going to shoot for for next week the following friday to have the the post hike podcast out there but uh before we do let you go to do some final prep and hit the trail steve anything else you want to add no man i'm i'm just chomping at the bit ready to get hiking i'm like looking at a picture of some dude climbing up Mount Bora right now and just like can't wait to be in that position taking that photo. Well, that is a wrap. The guys are out on the trail right now as this podcast is being released. Again, we will be back next week with a recap to talk about some of the lessons learned and the highs and lows of this year's adventure. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in to make sure you receive that future episode as well as all other future episodes. Just be sure to hit subscribe or follow in whatever podcast app that you're using, and we'll talk to you soon.